a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. Hello, everyone. My name is Priyanka Shrestha. I'm the news editor at Energy Live News. Welcome to this podcast where I'll be talking to Alex Gilbert. He's the senior strategy manager at Transport for London, or TFL, as you might know. Uh, so Alex has spoken at our events before, and he was actually expected to speak at Energy Live Expo this year, uh, which is taking place on the 5th of November in London. But he'll be passing on the baton to one of his colleagues uh, who will be covering some of the topics we'll be discussing today. Uh, so for those of you who are not aware of Energy Live Expo, it's uh, ELN's annual event and it's taking place at the QE2 Centre in London. Uh, and this year the theme is Climate Change Doing Our Bit. So you'll find the full details on the ELN website. Uh, it's free to attend for Energy End users as usual. So don't forget to register. You must register if you want to come along. Uh, so I'll come to you, Alex, if that's okay. And if you could start off by uh, telling me a little bit about yourself and your role at TFL. So thanks very much for having me on the podcast, Priyanka. Been a, a long-term fan, and um, hopefully many, many more years to come of all of that. Um, so yeah, most of my time day to day now is spent at TFL, uh, looking after uh, commercial energy opportunities. So we are assessing, and, and some of your your guests and listeners will be aware of this from from previous chats we've had. And as, as you say, I spoke at last year's conference. Uh, we're really keen to explore opportunities for energy within the broader climate change agenda, of course. Um, across all of London. And that means really trying to join up and integrate everything that we're doing across transport, which obviously many of the listeners will be aware of, but also across home building. We're one of the most active home builders now in London. Energy, where we're the largest consumer in London, and a number of other areas as well. And for us, that, that key aspect is building that infrastructure for London, of which obviously energy is a key part and goes across all of those. So that's what we're you know, super keen to deliver um, there's a number of other areas that I, outside of TFL, uh, that may be relevant to this, again, around sort of smart grids and energy infrastructure more broadly, and happy to, to come back to that as well, if you wish. Okay, perfect. So we'll kick off with um, climate change, and obviously that's the theme of the conference this year, um, and about what businesses are doing to help deliver that low-carbon agenda. Um, so could you talk a little bit about some of the initiatives that TFL is involved in? Um, and if, maybe if you could start off with uh, using waste heat to power the underground? Yes, yeah, certainly. So this one seems to get a lot of attention. Yeah, um, very interesting. Sort of, absolutely. And it's normally the one that at conferences I get the most of, especially as you can imagine on, on summer's days when people come in sweltering and say, can you please get some heat off that damn tube? Um, so it's something we've been exploring for a while. Um, we're very, very actively involved in this now. Um, there's a couple of sites um, that we've helped develop around London. Um, in truth, we haven't yet fully understood the commercial model and where this all might go. So we've begun filtering through all of this year, really, since, since we all last spoke, um, a number of sites that may be attractive for uh, waste heat potential, working very closely with the GLA and others, also home builders, such as ourselves and others, to look at the best opportunities. So it's incredibly exciting. We'd obviously love to be able to take heat out of the underground and, and take that to homes. Uh, there's still more work to be done, still no final decisions made, uh, but it's yeah, really exciting. And I would say sort of strongly on that one, watch this space. So do you think it's something that would come into fruition in, over the next couple of years or so? Absolutely, yeah. I think if it, um, if it can happen, and I hope it, hope it can, um, then it won't be too long. I think pretty soon we'll have um, a good idea of what we're able to do. 
and um, yeah, absolutely. That the, the plan is to see how far and wide we can roll that out. And of course, it's one of those things that could be applicable not just throughout London, UK, rest of the world. So we're really keen to try and be the pathfinder on this and uh, be the first to, to try and deliver that. That sounds great. Um, and I know TFL is also planning on some uh, solar initiatives uh, as well as some of the the uptake in electric vehicles and the charging infrastructure. So could you talk us a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, certainly. So I suppose the other two that attract quite a bit of interest are, as you say, uh, solar, where um, we've been very keen, I'm sure people will, will understand the reasons for this, um, to try and install as much uh, renewable energy across the estate as we can. So we continue to explore that. There's a number of live opportunities at the moment. Um, essentially, solar breaks down into three sort of parcels of land if you like it's it's large land that the tfl owns we have about ten thousand sites across london it's about six thousand acres so it is a, a very large estate so we're looking at land opportunities um also rooftops again you'd expect that sort of again depots bus garages um, more broadly again across our, our own estate that we're looking to build um and then of course trackside that's the one that's always uh, attracts a lot of interest really keen to try and uh, deploy that it's very challenging um, it's going to take time and effort again to um to be able to do that but we're we're super keen to um to explore that one um when you talk about the challenges could you maybe mention some of the challenges you face is it the funding side is it because of the infrastructure um what would you say are the main challenges you face for that yeah so actually probably less around funding and i and i mean that not directly for TfL, but broadly now there's a lot of appetite um, for solar funding, a huge amount, frankly, across some of the traditional funders, across the, the energy supply companies themselves, a number of more niche players. Um, so from the very small to the very large I mean, sort of pension funds. So I think funding will be available, uh, allowing for financial um, and borrowing constraints, but I won't go into great detail on that topic. Um, it's more actually just um, installing solar can be very challenging in uh, live environments and also of course like as you'd expect at TFL we are very very keen that anything we do does not negatively impact on green infrastructure on biodiversity um, inevitably when it comes to climate change there are trade-offs always everywhere we all have those in our own lives of course with every bit of food that we buy and every bit of power that we consume, of course, um, and TfL is no different, just at a larger scale. So we obviously, when we look at something like solar installation, very, very cognizant of the fact that it has to be biodiversity positive wherever we can. So we want to make sure that we preserve every bit of, of green space uh, that we can in London um, and do the right thing across the board whilst generating renewable power. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the EVs uptake, if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. So, again, TfL has been at the forefront of this with the uh, work on the, the Mayor's uh, EV Infrastructure Task Force. Uh, so we were a lead author on that and we've helped facilitate much of the EV take, uptake in London, whether that's on some of the frameworks for slower, so residential charging, but also our RAPIDS framework where we'll be installing 300 rapid chargers uh, by the end of next year. We are now in a process of uh, engaging with many in the market to see uh, the next stage. So effectively, how we develop uh, the very best site selection tool, understanding what London needs going forward and then reviewing our own position. So this is something that 
certainly individual boroughs, London, and, and to be honest, lots of other places in the world have grappled with for some time. And it's quite challenging to know exactly what is needed. So we're exploring that now to see as, as sort of as the best possible guess that we can have of the charge point locations, where and what and how much over the coming years and decades. Um, so it's a fascinating piece of work. I think it will be, I hope, incredibly influential, incredibly insightful. Um, and again, we'll know much more than that um, fairly early next year. So um, have you set any, has TFL set any uh, targets in place, including for EVs, um, that is set out to play its part in contributing to the low carbon agenda? Yes, I suppose that the main sort of headline one across TFL, if you like, is, the, is our zero carbon rail by 2030. So again, that's something that obviously listeners can, can search for and, and find plenty more. There's, there's, there's lots of published information and everything we do works towards that, which obviously in a period of, of likely increasing energy costs and all of the other constraints that you deal with on your other podcast conversations, uh, that's challenging. That's a lot to deliver. Um, saving. Yeah, it seems very ambitious, 2030. It doesn't seem very far away. Not at all, no, <laughs> scarily, scarily so, right? It's, yeah. it's um, like 2020 when you're growing up seemed like far, far in the distance. Exactly. We're, we're, we're basically there. Um, <laughs> it is far, and of course, you're, we have to be saving money while we're doing that. We have, um, again, publicly available, we're looking at around £6 billion cumulative energy bill um, up to 2030. So saving that money whilst hitting that zero carbon figure across the rail services is huge ambition. But yeah, there's a, there's a massive amount going on and, and many, many people dedicated to that. And we, we kind of genuinely feel that London is a is a world leading, I would say the world leading, but that's, mm -hmm. that's biased, um, city. And that what we do, what we do here is looked upon across the rest of the world. And it's essential that we, that we do the right thing, we lead the way forward, and we do explore a lot of innovative areas like waste heat, like solar, EVs. We want to be upfront in that. Um, I think we have a, a role to do that, but I think also we'll be very good at executing that as well. So you'd say you're on the right track towards the net zero target. Mind the pun. <laughs> I'll take the pun. That's uh, one that jo Johnny and or Jeff would be delighted with. Um, but yes, we're, we're definitely on the right track. Um, and uh, so far, so good. It's looking very positive. Um, and talking about tracks, I thought I wanted to run this past year, actually. It was quite interesting. We ran a story uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, I think it was last month, uh, about a railway track in the UK being powered directly by solar panels um, in what was claimed to be a world first. So I was wondering if TFL, uh, if this is something that TFL uh, might be looking into. Is this something you plan to implement in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So this yeah goes alongside the um, the solar trackside work that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, that was a very exciting story. It has to be said that power, as I understand it, wasn't going directly into the track, more serving other um, uh, power needs around the track, around the tracks, yes, signalling, etc. But nonetheless, really, you know, worthy worthy cause. Of course, welcome all of that. We may be able to take some solar and feed it directly uh, into our own grid effectively TFL has its own grid which looks pretty much like the like the tube map if you can picture that um, <laughs> very confusing are, <laughs> yeah indeed indeed um, 
But we, because we have such huge power needs you know, every single day, of course, we have you know, monster needs for power. So we're, we're keen to take that. So again, very happy to work with others. I suppose we should say anyone that's listening to this that, that you know, works across heat, solar, EV, you know, by all means, get in touch. If you've got good ideas, we, we always welcome those as well. Um, so another topic uh, that is being discussed to enable this uh, low carbon transition is smart grids. Uh, and just to, I wanted just to get your view on what you think London uh, w would or could look like over the next uh, few decades or so. Uh, so this is in terms of the whole integration of energy, transport, and earlier, like you mentioned, housing as well. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I think London has a, a fantastic role. I've sort of spent the last year or so desperately trying to find places in the world that are truly kind of smart, sustainable. Both of those are kind of wonderful words and yet utterly awful at the same time and that everyone means completely different things by that. But, you know, the fact is, and this sounds good, it clearly isn't, but most of the world isn't that far ahead of, of where we think we can be very, very soon in London. There are fantastic examples the likes in scandinavia it won't surprise people there's some brilliant new um, and old sustainable developments there's some good examples from the far east as well but london we do have an amazing opportunity to actually link so much of housing um, additional infrastructure as well utility infrastructure digital infrastructure you know, full fiber as well all of that has a part to play how we join up waste and link that to energy so it is a piece that I think we, we can get right. Um, we actually have a bit of a luxury in that uh, TfL looks after a number of these areas, not all of them at all, but within this sort of GLA family, um, there's plenty more that we can do. And it's something that people are envious of um, across the world. As I say, I don't want to make it like we've got it right. There are fantastic examples in places like Stockholm. I think they've done quite a bit more to join up areas that are fully functioning um, but we need to learn the best from those and then scale it up because no one's on the scale that London could be and that's the, the, the really exciting part. Um, so what is it would you say um, you'd like to see over the next five years or so in London in terms of the whole electrification and the smart grids and um, the EVs and the whole lot when you look at the bigger picture what would you like what would you like to see uh, for London over the next five years or so? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is a, a very soft and fluffy sounding thing to say, but it's the most important, and that is the joined up approach. It's the thing that people, as they're listening to that, will probably sigh and go, yeah, yeah, you know, obviously. But, but it, it doesn't happen nearly enough, and getting the governance right is absolutely essential. You know, to, to develop any kind of smart city, you need all the best technology. We've got a lot of that, we need more of it. You need the data, data is essential. Again, we've made huge strides at TfL and of course others have as well. Um, and we need to see more of that. But the things that are often missing, of course, are people and how people connect and get that approach. So that if you, if you like, that's the sort of bottom up approach. Um, and then from a top down perspective, it's governance and legislation that pulls the thing together. It's only when you have those four things working together can you deliver that. And I think we're getting there, but when you look at any sustainable example, and again, I'll, I'll go back to the one just used, which was in, in Stockholm, there's a district, Hammerby Sostat. When you look at that, 
the technology they've got there, most of the people listening to this will go, yeah, I've heard of that. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But it's the governance. It's getting the people on board. It's getting the districts on board, whether, again, that's local authorities, central authorities, whatever it might be, on board from the start to work together. And it's feeding in housing, transport, energy to get them together from day one. That sounds a bit sort of wonderfully grandiose and, and, and mm-hmm. perhaps a bit kind of utopic. But ultimately, I think we can do that. I think we all know what needs to be done. We've just got to work together pretty swiftly because, as, um, as you guys often report, um, things are looking pretty bleak out there. So we need to get a move on and work together to, um, to deliver that. But I think we can do it. Uh, great. And it's always great to have hope and have a positive outlook going forward. Um, so thank you very much for that, Alex. And it's been quite interesting, pretty interesting, as usual, speaking to you. Uh, hopefully we can carry on this conversation at Energy Live Expo. Uh, but as I mentioned, unfortunately, you're not coming along uh, because you've got other commitments. Um, but you've got yes. someone else from TFL <laughs> who will be joining us. We are, there will be somebody uh, in my stead who is a wonderful speaker and will be able to cover all, the, all of this as well. And um, yeah, Quinton Babcock is coming along. He looks after um, a huge amount of our energy um, needs and wants and, and everything else as well. So he'll be even better versed than I talking generally about energy. And yes, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on which side of the population you are, um, <laughs> I'll be in Brussels. And um, I um, am advising them on some energy work, which um, in early November, very important. particularly, <laughs> it's, it's very important and particularly interesting time to be there as well. So who knows what will have happened in this country. Um, but as, as agreed, we will not mention the B word, nor should anybody <laughs> at any point ever. So, um, yes, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, I can't be there. It is a, it's a fantastic event and genuinely sad to miss it. Um, so I was hoping if you could just maybe tell people why they should be coming along, um, because, as you said, you've been to our events before. Why do you think people should come along to the event? Yeah, I think it, it, it genuinely is that kind of really good balance of where you get lots of information and, and you understand more and you go and you learn and you come away with things that you didn't know. That's great. But also at the same time, also it's big enough that you meet plenty of people. You run around the room with lots of, oh, my God, haven't seen you since last year. All of that. We must meet up. And then hopefully something kind of comes of it this year. And, you know, there's a lot of the larger conferences have slipped by and, and people don't attend as much. There's a lot of smaller events where you might learn one or two things. But again, frankly, not many people show up. So to have somewhere there's a whole bunch of people, so there's great networking, and you can meet people, plus you can actually sit in on a few seminars, learn a few things at the same time. It's a great combination, so yeah, you know, happily endorse it and tell others to, um, to get along. That's perfect. Thank you so much again, once again, Alex, for your time. Uh, so finally, just a quick reminder that the event is on the 5th of November at the QE2 Centre in London. Uh, it's free as usual for energy end users, so you can go onto the ELN page to register, but you have to be registered to attend the event. Uh, thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have a great day. Remember, you can register for Energy Live Expo. If you're interested in registering for this event, taking place on the 5th of November at the QE2 Centre in London, just visit energylivenews.com slash events slash expo. That's energylivenews.com slash events slash expo and get registered today for free.